the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show... The Certified Financial Planner, you know, taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, it's all fair game. As a Certified Financial Planner with EP Wealth, we deal with a, as a fiduciary angle. We don't do any commission work. We don't sell insurance products. We don't make commissions on stuff. We charge a fee for what we do. So if you send me a money question, you can bet that you'll typically get a pretty unbiased advice, um, especially if it's in questions on insurance, annuities, and things like that that can really make people kind of end up making mistakes. So today in the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about inflation, retirement planning as a result of inflation that we're seeing, a little bit about divorce. We've heard about Bill and Melinda Gates. We'll talk about that. Let's start with inflation though. Everybody has their stories. The most common one that I hear is people that say, yeah, I went to Home Depot or Lowe's to pick up some two by fours to build something at the house. And two by fours have gone from like three fifty to nine bucks. You know, it's those those types of comments that people make. Then you hear about any industry that's dealing with adhesives, and just think about how much people use adhesives in building everything. And a lot of those plants were in Texas. Texas had that weather issue in addition to supply chain issues in the world. And here's a new one that happened to me: is I went to go talk to my uh, the person that does some landscaping for me and asked him about doing a bark dust, a mulch, I guess you'd call it refresh once this, all this home construction that I'm dealing with is over. And he said, yeah, we'll schedule for the week before Memorial day, but I don't know if I'll be able to get it. Sometimes it's in, sometimes it's not because not only have the prices gone up, but the demand is way up because in the fires that happened in the Northwest where a lot of that was made last year, they got put behind and then COVID put them even farther behind. So they're producing a year behind on everything. So now you got yard materials and guess what? People are also at home and they were at home working on their homes and making gardens and things like that. So there's been a ton of inflation in that area, believe it or not. Anything that has to do with I'm bored, I'm at home, I'm fixing stuff, inflation. And then of course the microchip issue. And part of the infrastructure package bringing production of microchips back into the U.S. Very important, not only for security, but for jobs and just being able to deal with something like this. This is not going to be the last time we deal with some sort of a global disease. Um, so 
Some believe that this inflation that we're seeing, a big jump of inflation, because I, I mentioned on the show, I don't know, a couple of months ago, that this is going to be very frustrating to listen to. Because people in our government sometimes seem so disconnected. And I remember this clearly when, I can't remember what year it was. It's, I think it's been five or six years now, but I know that I'd been in the business, you know, it's 26 years now. And so I'd been in the business almost 20 years or a little bit more. And it was the first time that Social Security had, did not offer an increase in payments. Yet, Medicare Part B, which comes right out of your Social Security check, went up for retirees. And so people felt really discouraged because it's like, okay, the government's talking out of one side saying, hey, there's no inflation. We're not going to increase your Social Security. But hey, over here in healthcare, there's inflation. So we're going to increase your Medicare Part B premiums. When you retire, you have Medicare Part A for free. Medicare Part B gets pulled right out of your Social Security check if you're taking it. And then you have to buy supplemental insurance. And people have seen their supplemental insurance costs go up by 5 to 6% a year. Even in that one year that I was talking about where Social Security did not go up. So, and I mentioned that, you know, we're feeling inflation at the grocery store now massively at the pump because of energy issues. Now we have a cyber attack that caused the disruption in energy prices to spike a little bit more. Yeah, hey, we all want to go electrical. Let's all go drive Teslas. But guess what? Our infrastructure can't really support everybody driving an electric vehicle right now and plugging it in at the same time to recharge. So there's going to be inflation in, in, in many areas. Now, at the same time, the cost of your TV has gone down over time, right? So it's a little bit of everything. When, when the government talks about inflation, it's, it's typically X food and energy. It's core inflation because food and energy be, can be so volatile. But this food and energy issue is probably going to last for a little while here. And right now we're seeing commodities. Some say, some are calling for a commodity super cycle. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in my career. But commodity prices somewhat depressed and now time to catch up with other asset classes. So you're seeing big increases in commodities. And it's interesting to look at what commodities could be. It could be coffee, could be pork bellies, soybeans, but we're talking about metals. Got to go build a bridge, create some infrastructure. You need some metal, right? So I could, I can literally take both sides of the argument. I could tell you that, hey, this commodity increase this this inflation that we're seeing it is going to be somewhat short-lived right and the reason why it's probably going to be short-lived is because the supply chain was disrupted because of covid and demand shifted where are people wanting to spend the money demand shifted and it's going to demand is going to normalize in terms of how we all spend our money and the supply chain will eventually catch up. That's one side. The other side of the argument is look, the look at the labor market. It's unemployment isn't that high right now. And where people haven't returned to work, it's more like restaurants and you know, hotels, you travel leisure kind of thing. And now the government's pumping so much money into the system, the demand's just going to increase because those that have money had it all through COVID and now they have even more. Most business owners that I know, unless they were dealing with travel and leisure, had one of the best years ever this last year, oddly enough. I'm not saying everybody, and I feel free to tell the story. Like, I would love to hear your stories of what you're seeing in inflation. And you know, anytime you want to address one side or the other, what I'm talking about, feel free to email me, chat at chadburton.com. 
But we really have to figure out what we want to do from an investment angle from this, right? Some, some believe this is going to be short-lived. Some believe this is going to be huge growth going forward and the supply chain is going to take two or three years to catch up. And so we're going to see inflation. So two big questions that are out there. Should we invest to fight inflation? And many that are older, after 55 or so, should they're saying, should I alter my retirement plan to project more inflation? So let's talk about inflation. What's the best way to invite, invest to fight inflation? What's the idea of inflation? If you look at inflation, the value of a dollar is cut in half about every 18 years or so. So if you look at a price of something today, everybody talks about a gallon of milk, right? Um, I don't know if that's the case because now everybody's going dairy-free and gluten-free and you know everything free. So who knows if the price of milk will t- continue to increase. But the idea that inflation runs somewhere around 3% is about every 18 years, the value of a dollar is cut in half. So if you look at any good today and 18, 20 years later, the cost is just going to double just because of normal inflation. Now, we've gone through higher inflation cycles before. In the late 70s, early 80s, inflation was double digit for a while. Double digit. People were literally paying more on a month over month basis for a lot of different goods. It was kind of a tough time. And there's big amount of inflation. The feds had to come in, break the back of inflation. And all of a sudden, we had the bull market of the 80s. So it's just part of cycles. We will likely go through you go through good economies, bad economies, high inflation, low inflation. We've gone through a long period of very moderate inflation. Very moderate. So who knows? We could go through a higher one. The best way to deal with that, though, is stocks. The best way to deal and invest for inflation is continue to own stocks. Companies figure this out. Good companies know how to pass along price increases to consumers. And you can kind of look at other, if, if you look at the idea of what has been depressed, financial stocks. If inflation goes up, eventually interest rates have to go up and interest margins will go up and banks could end up making more money. You don't need to get too fancy here. Stocks over time beat inflation. In general, stocks return 10 to 11% over your lifetime. Longer periods, 20, 30, 40 years. That's been the case throughout history. Now, do we go through lower cycles and 10-year periods? Yeah, but if we look at 20, 30-year periods, then 11%. And stocks are positive 70% of the time. Now, as long as you're looking to buy during the 30% of the time when they're negative or sell some of your bonds to buy some stocks and rebalance, that's the other way to do it. So stocks in general, because if a company is a good company, they figure out if there's inflation and they have to pay more for goods and services that they offer to you and you really like them, they'll figure out a way to pass on price increases. So that's the best way. And real estate is another way to do it. So as long as you're investing in positive cash flow real estate, meaning that you're able to buy a property, you put 20 or 30% down, you get a 30-year loan. And after you pay your mortgage, your property taxes, your uh, management fees, some maintenance set aside, you've got positive cash flow and you have a plan to increase your rents at 2% a year, then you've got the appreciation of the real estate, you got the leverage of the real estate, the loan, and you got the increasing rents. Good way to fight inflation over the long run. Problem is right now is real estate's very, very expensive. The bidding wars on homes is ridiculous right now. Very reminiscent of 2006 minus 
it's a little harder to get a loan now. There's just a lot of cash out there trying to find rental properties because of bond rates being so low. But that is a good way to beat inflation over time. A traditionally good way to beat inflation tips, treasury inflation protected securities. In the past, you had I-bonds, for example, which had a, something you could buy from the, the federal government, treasurydirect.gov. You can learn about I-bonds. You can't buy as many anymore and they're not very good anymore because of how low inflation has been. But I-bonds are an example of it. You have a base rate and you have a rate that goes up or down with inflation. The other type of tips, treasury inflation protected securities, is you have a bond. It's a government bond that's issued and it's got a lower interest rate than most bonds, which means close to zero these days because interest rates are so low. But the face value, the value of the bond increases when there's inflation. And what we looked at as a firm is that when interest rates are extremely low, it's a tough way to fight inflation. It, it, you know, we might do a little bit of it, but look, when tips tend to really work is when interest rates are normal or higher and inflation comes into play. I wouldn't be, tips look really expensive in my opinion right now, right? Everybody kind of made that move. Another good one is commodities. Having some commodities exposure in your portfolio, a basket of commodities through an ETF or a mutual fund or maybe a managed futures fund is a good way to have an inflation hedge. Because in a commodities fund, you're going to get gold, silver, nickel, palladium, all of those metals that you're hearing about right now that have been going up because of demand, infrastructure spending, just basic general idea of inflation. If you have an inflationary issue and the dollar ends up going down as a result of that, having that foreign or emerging market exposure can help as well. But sometimes when you have inflation and the interest rates start going up, the dollar can increase in value. So you have to be a little bit careful on how that affects emerging markets. When the dollar is increasing rapidly, emerging markets can have a tough time. But look, inflation comes after a long uptrend in the economy where people feel like they're doing really, really well. So they start spending money. And there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. There is a lot of stuff that happened with these several rounds of stimulus where businesses recovered very quickly, but they were still able to get the PPP loans. And so they said, oh, I got this PPP loan. I stayed in business. I stayed. I had my employees still employed. So now I'm going to use this to invest in my business, CapEx spending, grow the business, the demand is on, people. The demand is on. The economy is doing really, really well. And economies overheat sometimes. The Federal Reserve tends to come in, say, whoa, 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 there's too much inflation. We better start increasing interest rates and slow this bad boy down. We have to slow this economy down. People are borrowing money and they're investing in their businesses too much and it's causing too much inflation because everybody wants the same goods and services and products and commodities. So we got to slow this down a little. We got to make money a little less liquid. So we're going to increase interest rates. So it's more expensive to borrow. And that's oftentimes when you get a recession and that's normal and healthy. You have basic economics here. You go through the upswing, you go through a peak, you go through a recession, you go through a trough, and it, it just cycles every five to seven years, typically. We've just gone through a long period. Basically, we had one of the greatest recessions of all time in 2008 and 2009, so then we had this one of the greatest run-ups of all time. The other way that you look at investing to fight inflation is running a balanced portfolio, having some sort of fixed income exposure in there. And I know that's scary right now because everybody's thinking inflation, that means higher rates, that means bond funds go down. Yeah, that's kind of true. If you looked about 
I don't know, a month ago, the general bond fund was down about 4%. And interest rates have popped back up a little bit. All right, went up and then down. And now general bond funds down about 2%. So what you want to do is you go through cycles, right? So you have inflation, inflation comes into play, the Fed raises interest rates and the economy goes into recession. That typically with any recession, you tend to have 20% pullbacks, but you tend to have 20% pullbacks at least once every five to seven years anyway. So it's part of it. The thing you don't want to do is get scared and say, oh my gosh, it's going to zero. I better pull all out. I better go to cash. Or, oh my gosh, Chad said there's going to be a recession with a 20% pullback. I better pull out. I better go to cash. No, that's just stupid. What you do is you look for opportunities. If you have a balanced portfolio, even if it's 80% stocks, 20% bonds, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, when the market pulls back, usually the bonds go up and you can trim some of those bonds, use that cash to buy more stocks on the cheap. That is a great way to also fight inflation. So you don't need to get too super fancy here. Continue to invest in stocks, the best hedge against inflation out there. By far the best hedge against inflation out there. Real estate can be good as well, but look, you can do all the math that you want. I can tell you that the only way that real estate keeps up with stocks in the long run at the same apples to apples comparison is because of being able to leverage it. Have somebody else in that property paying your mortgage for you. You leveraged, you bought, put in two fifty to buy a $500,000 property. Somebody else is paying off that loan for you. You're increasing rents and eventually you can get positive cash flow that increases with inflation if you have rents. But that's a lot more risk, people. If you're talking about investing in real estate, make sure you have all the base built. All the things that I talk about for you. Max out your 401k, your Roth options, mega Roth 401k, all that stuff. Real estate can be a good way to do it. Then again, treasury inflation protects securities, commodities, and foreign investments. So make sure you learn about all of those things. Coming back after the break, what about altering your retirement plan projection because of the thought of higher inflation? What about that? Should you alter your retirement plan? Should you work longer? Spend less, invest differently. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Should I alter my retirement plan to protect against more inflation in the future? Getting that question quite a bit. Now, here's the deal. It's kind of been the lack of inflation and low interest rates and having to keep interest rates low to fuel the constant monetary stimulus that we've had, right? We've had the Great Recession, which had all sorts of packages. I mean, we're, we're doing all this monetary stimulus, but not a lot of fiscal stimulus, which is, you know, the roads and bridges type of thing. And so interest rates are extremely low. You should have altered your plan already. When your parents went to retire or your grandparents went to retire, when they were 65 years old because they didn't live as long and because interest rates on CDs were 5 and 6%, interest rates on bonds were 6 and 7%, they could retire at 65 and safely start with a 5% of their portfolio withdrawal and increase that amount every year to keep up with inflation and they would be fine. That's not the case anymore. It's not an issue of stocks. 
Again, I think stocks over 20, 30, 40 year periods are still going to average 10, 11% over your lifetime. But bonds have two pieces, right? They have the ability for the company to pay back because you're lending money out. Here's my money. Give me an interest rate and then give me my money back at the end of the term. That's what a bond is. You are loaning the money to the company. And interest rates are at historical lows. So you as a retiree are making less than a third on your interest payments for bonds and CDs than what your parents or grandparents were earning. That's what adjusted your overall retirement plan. Retirement planning projections by certified financial planners already had inflation in it, right? Typically, you're increasing most expenses at 25 to 2.25% per year. In your financial plan, if you have a good one, your healthcare costs are separated out, so they're growing at 5 to 6% per year. And then Social Security is kind of dependent on age. If you're under 45, just plan on retiring without it. Make sure you're running your plan. Make sure you can retire at 65 without Social Security. If it's there, great. It's gravy. Or maybe you get to 60 and you say, Chad was wrong. Social Security is there some way, shape, or form. And you can retire a few years earlier. Now, if you're, say, sub 55 to you know, 45 to 55, maybe you have it in there, but just, have, just, just stop inflating Social Security anyway. Social Security by 2034 is going to be paying out more than it's taking in. So something has to change. They're going to cut benefits, which I doubt happens, or increase retirement ages, or increase taxes, or increase the taxation of Social Security for retirees that have high income. It's going to be a combination of all that to get the system to continue to work. They have to have it work. Because most Americans in in retirement these days depend, majority of their income is on Social Security. It was created as a poverty program And unfortunately, people would prefer to, not everybody, because some people have a tough time, but there's a lot of situations where you see people working their entire life, making a decent living, but they choose to drink expensive coffee, expensive wine, expensive cars, expensive houses, and they save very little. And then they get to retirement, they can't work anymore because of health, and that lifestyle drastically changes. So if you are, let's say, older than 55, maybe leave Social Security in your plan and just run a scenario, have your financial advisor run a scenario. If they can't do this, you need a new financial advisor. Where Social Security doesn't increase with inflation, it just stays flat. That's another way to adjust it. And the other thing that your financial advisor should be able to do is run Monte Carlo simulations based on your portfolio. And then basically, it's really easy for us to push a button and run a thousand different scenarios random scenarios based on your actual portfolio and the order of stock market returns, high inflation, low inflation, all those different things that can happen in retirement because you could retire and stock market could be mediocre forever. It could be really good first 10 years, really bad the next 10 years. It could be all these different scenarios. You got to run them because they've happened in the past. Look at 2007 to 2017 returns. Not the greatest. 2017 to now, or if you look at 2009 to now, it's been great returns. And what you want to do is make sure that you're not retiring with less than an 85 to 95% success rate in your specific scenario. So you can actually, once you design your financial plan and you look at your overall asset allocation, figure out where you're going to pull money from at retirement, you do all the budgeting expenses, you project forward with inflation, your healthcare costs, and do all the things you need to do, you can get a success rate of your financial plan using Monte Carlo simulations. Kind of fun to read about, especially if you love math. 
if it fails, if your Monte Carlo simulation fails, you have to be realistic about it. Now, maybe it's failing because you are investing too conservatively and you have too much in bonds that are just, just not growing these days. And that is kind of an issue because a lot of people that invest too much in bonds, maybe it's because they're scared of stocks, but have you been scared of bonds lately? Because bonds have not been doing great as interest rates went up. So maybe you need to get to know what portfolios look like and get comfortable with the idea that, okay, the stock market does have three, five to 7% corrections every year at a minimum typically. Every five to seven years, we get those 20% corrections. They come and go. And as long as you're not forced to sell and you don't sell in a panic, then you're going to be fine. Just get comfortable with the volatility a little bit because what I don't want to be comfortable is unless you have a ton of money and you can afford to be in it, just a ton of bonds. So you can alter your portfolio. If your Monte Carlo simulations are failing, you can alter your portfolio. What does it look like if I invest more aggressively, more conservatively? What if I lower my spending? What if I increase my retirement date? Instead of 65, I'm going to retire at 67. Um, maybe I'm going to move to a cheaper area. Both Rob Black and I have been getting questions about moving out of the U.S., retirement because it's so much cheaper to live in other areas. My own dad retired in Ecuador. He's down there now, usually loving it. They're in big time lockdown in Ecuador because of COVID again, but but uh, it's beautiful down there. The cost of living is, is great and he enjoys it. We've had people retire in so many different countries, Brazil, Portugal, Colombia. <laughs> so we've had clients retire a lot of different places outside of the US and maybe that's an option for you where costs are a little bit lower and uh, you can still do the things that you want to do. So when you, you have to be very careful on how you run these Monte Carlo simulations. If you have an advisor, you have to make sure you're the way the system is reading your portfolio, your age, make, make sure too. One of the things I'm seeing is a lot of differences in ages. And I was actually going to talk about some of this Um divorce issues because of the Bill and Melinda Gates divorce after 27 years of marriage. We'll try to get into that a little bit today. But a lot of times we'll see a big age difference in a couple. And you got to make sure you're planning for the youngest person to hit age 100. And that's a bit of an issue, especially if it's a second marriage situation. That's where you get really into the weeds in terms of estate planning, retirement planning, things like that. So you can imagine... Uh, a couple gets married and one's 40 and one's 55 or 60 or something like that. And they go into retirement and they retire when the older person is like 65 or 70. We got to make sure there's enough money to last to the age of 40. And in that couple, maybe the older person has kids from a previous marriage. So when they pass away, they want their money to go to some to go to their kids because, you know, if they pass away and the money goes first to the, the new spouse, then he or she may get remarried. And then you can, you got these estate plan issues because who knows where the money goes to after that. So sometimes if that's an issue and your retirement plan calls for it, there just, you might need life insurance, oddly enough, to protect that younger spouse. That could be an issue. What if you go into a nursing home? Things like that. Okay. So it really, it gets back to that cost, that talk though, that we talked about inflation. Should I alter my retirement plan to project more inflation? I don't think you need to project it more inflation because you don't want to alter your entire plan just on what's going on in a short-term period or the current cycle. Everything returns to the mean, right? Over time, and retirement planning is 35 plus years. 
So to alter your entire plan drastically based on what may happen in this next cycle of two to five years, that's a little bit silly. You have to approach it like you always have. You should have had inflation in your expenses anyways. You should have had healthcare costs at a higher rate of inflation. You should realize that Social Security is broken. It's going to be there in some way, shape, or form, but it's broken. It's going to be offset by higher taxes, a later retirement age, something. You've, I've yet to see a politician tackle the big problem. Big problems have to do with Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Nobody's talking about it in politics. It's side articles. It's places that realize it and politicians are dealing with other things right now to make sure that they can get through their midterm elections. That's about it. Nobody's tackling the hard problems. So inflation is an issue. Again, the value of a dollar is cut in half about every 18 years. So you can kind of think of this as that every 18 years, you're going to pay twice as much for most goods and services that you buy now. The other thing to realize is that when one person passes away in a married couple, retirement expenses are not cut in half. But the only thing that's cut in half is food. That's about it. Food and some clothing and things like that. The house still exists. The property taxes still exist. Everything, almost everything still exists. So keep that in mind in your financial plan. If somebody's running your financial plan towards showing, well, that, that spouse isn't very healthy. We're going to say that they pass away at age 85 and the cut, expenses are cut in half. That's wrong. Absolutely wrong. Other things you can do is you know, sell a house, move out of state, move out of the country, Find other ways to cut expenses expenses to make your plan work if your Monte Carlo simulation is causing a failure rate that you don't like to see. I will save the talk about uh, divorce and Bill and Melinda Gates after 27 years of marriage. Been in the news quite a bit. Came around after shortly after the tax proposal by Biden to increase capital gains rates and take away the step up in basis of death. So kind of a lot to get into that one. I'll save that for tomorrow's show. Uh, because a lot of tax issues, and I'll even talk about prenup issues. Bill Gates didn't have a prenup there. And that can get a little messy. We'll talk about that. I'll tell you what, that's a little messy and also has to do with taxes. Is I, I cannot tell you how many people do not get the idea that their crypto trades are going to be taxed. This is going to be bigger and bigger news because you're not... First of all, this whole Dogecoin... I. I, I <laughs> As soon as it falls after um, it's the Saturday, Elon Musk's Saturday Night Live appearance, it's the thing. It's like, I don't think that influencers should be allowed to pump up cryptocurrency. I, I just don't because people get sucked into it. And then they, I mean, Dogecoin started as a joke. It's a, it's a meme that has to do with the dog. And it, there, there's an unlimited supply of Dogecoin, like at least Bitcoin, at some point, people, there won't be any more new Bitcoin, right? Dogecoin is, I just don't, I don't get the Dogecoin thing. It's just a pile-in and a FOMO trade. Um, other cryptocurrencies I do under, I do get. But the biggest thing that, that I'm seeing is that people have taken their, their Bitcoin and as, that, as it's gone up, they've sold some of it to get into Ethereum and Dogecoin and some of these alt cryptocurrencies that are out there. And they're doing it in little pieces. And a lot of people don't realize that that's a taxable event. If you're doing it on Coinbase or Robinhood, it's taxed like property. And so if you have a short-term trade, you bought some cryptocurrency and then sold it before a year is up, that's taxed at your ordinary income tax bracket, state and federal. And I keep giving this example, but I keep hearing over and over again where people... 
start with a small amount and they do a bunch of trades and that's a larger amount, but their taxes are bigger than their amount that they've made in gains because some of their trades are negative. In other words, they didn't do good. They bought it and sold it for a lower amount. Then they bought it again and it went up even higher. Until you sell out of something altogether, those losses are not offsetting the gains. If you sell something at a loss, if you want to write that loss off against your other gains, you cannot trade in that same thing for 30 days. It's called a wash sale. This is catching a ton of people off guard. An example of this is how it can affect other areas of your life if you're not making your advisors aware of this. So one of the most complicated stock options when you work for somebody that's out there is called an incentive stock option, ISO. And ISOs are one of the only things that have some sort of a tax break if you plan properly, where if you exercise and hold an incentive stock option, if you hold it for 12 months past the date that you exercise and held it, or the longer of two years from the date of the grant, so it's got to be the longer of the two, whichever is longer. And for most people, they get it, wait a couple of years, they exercise and hold. And then as long as you sell that after a year, you exercise, hold the stock, sell it after a year, you can qualify for capital gains tax. However, that initial buy and hold of that option can trigger AMT tax. So when we have clients that have incentive stock options, we do careful tax planning in the beginning of the year to estimate what their tax situation is, estimate how much they can safely buy and hold if they think the stock is going to continue to go up and rally over the long run. And they want to do this as a tax break. And we were dealing with this with somebody that... um, as we were doing kind of a, you know, five months through the year checkup, they had, we told them how much we did some planning in January, how much uh, ISOs at their employer, typically their startups that they could buy and hold without triggering AMT tax. But their whole tax situation changed because they started selling some of their cryptocurrency, uh, some of their Bitcoin, and they started throwing into some of these other coins and doing a lot of active trading in two accounts, Coinbase and in Robinhood. And now they're going to have to report all those trades. They didn't even realize it on their tax return. Now, luckily, he is positive because cryptocurrency has done so well this year. But he didn't realize. And it kind of screwed up the plan. You were having to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, well, I don't know how, you know, you, I don't know if you're still going to avoid AMT on the situation. We're having to go replan everything. So if you're trading cryptocurrency, your kids, grandkids, or whatever, just make them aware of the taxes. Make them aware of the taxes on the trade because I unfortunately, you know, it's there's there's a lot of crypto millionaires out there right now. And what my concern is is that they're doing a bunch of trades this year, and let's say next year the crypto crashes or something like that, and it's you know worth much, much less, but yet they'd low owe the tax bill from the previous year. The same thing happened in tech stocks. In 99, people were exercising options and things like that. They held them. The market crashed the following year. They still owe the taxes. Guess what, guys? You can't go bankrupt to the IRS. You can go bankruptcy on all your other debt, but you cannot go into bankruptcy with the IRS. You're going to pay that taxes at some point. And this is an area of crackdown for sure. Coinbase has to report. Robinhood has to report. So it just it blows my mind because <clears throat> I think I've told you, people were asking me about Hey, do you like Bitcoin as a stock? Do you like Dogecoin as a stock? <laughs> like, these are not stocks. They're cryptocurrency. Which again, like I like to say, if you take everything about computers you don't understand and everything about math you don't understand and everything about currency you don't understand and put it into one product, there you go. 
Oh, and by the way, it's going to be subject for, to influencers on social media, pumping it up, getting everybody involved so they can sell it and go buy a satellite and send people to Mars. Congratulations. <laughs> so I don't want to be too negative on, on cryptocurrency in general because it is here to stay and it is interesting to be a part of and, and you can take you know, some of your speculative money and, and put some of it. I don't think of it as a stock or a bond or anything else. It, it's Somebody else has to be eventually willing to always pay more for that cryptocurrency than what you bought it for. So just understand what you're doing before you do it. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show, Facebook, LinkedIn, iTunes, and all the podcast links on all the platforms are at chadburton.com. You can request a meeting there as well. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.